Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brains. Your question for today really is at source is how do you overcome limiting beliefs or how do you change limiting beliefs? And is that even possible? A lot of our listeners and our viewers know that I have this phrase where we talk about all behavior is belief driven. Like you can't remember someone's name if you believe you have a horrible memory or you can't be a great reader or a leader or change procrastination if you believe I am a procrastinator. And so how do you deal with those deeper, more invisible levels? And I'm really excited here today because I have a longtime friend. I'm nervous about this also. (laughs) We're speaking here at an event together. And I wanted to grab her because she's extremely busy because she's a master of belief change. Shelly Lefko is the co-founder of Lefko Institute. And really, you're known for, historically, changing behavior and limiting emotions, the underlying belief behind that. Yes. How would you define a belief to somebody? I love that question. I absolutely love that question. And I also love the distinction you made. Nobody wants to get rid of beliefs. No one cares. They want to get rid of behaviors and emotions that they don't want. A belief is a statement about reality that you believe is the truth. And most of our beliefs are unconscious. We don't even know that we have them. And it's driving all of our behaviors and our feelings. and Everything. I have been doing this for 30 years, and it is rare that anybody comes to me and says, here's a pattern I want to change that is not belief-driven. Because if you believe men can't be trusted, that's a really big belief for women, men can't be trusted, you're not going to trust men. You're not going to have healthy relationships. You know, if you believe dogs are dangerous and a puppy comes in the room, you're not going to pet it. Right. And it has nothing to do with actual reality. It's just like what you feel is truth. Totally. Even if you're in a situation where historically bad things are going to happen, that doesn't mean it's always going to happen or you can't do anything to change it or make it better. So our beliefs are so powerful in how they drive our behavior. You know, you mentioned fear of public speaking. And it's fascinating because I have clients in every country around the world. I mean, I have clients in Uganda and Syria. It's crazy because I work on Zoom, right? And Jim, every single one of the people who have a fear of public speaking have almost all, if not all, of 10 beliefs and what we call three conditionings. So the most common belief that people have is I'm not good enough. And if you think you don't have it, ask yourself the question, what makes me good enough? And write it down. And if you write anything other than nothing, I just am, you have the belief. Because if you have to be something, do something, or have something in order to be good enough, you're not. And that's what workaholism is. So workaholism is like a beach ball. I'm not good enough. I'm not important. The other second most common belief. What makes me good enough and important is achieving things. So now I'm driven. Now I'm a workaholic. I want to go home and see my kids. I want to be with my wife. I want to be with my husband. I want to have a life. 
but I can't because I've got to hold this beach ball underwater. And the only way I could do that is achieving or whatever it is, doing things perfectly, being the best, whatever your survival strategy belief is, what makes me good enough is you have to keep doing that. That's what drives people. Now, here are the beliefs from fear of public speaking. Tell me this is not logical. I'm not good enough and I'm not important. I'm not capable, which even though people know they are, they still believe they're not. What makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. The single belief that drives people. And the biggest fear of public speaking beliefs, mistakes and failures are bad. And if I make a mistake or fail, I will be rejected. Wow. Can you repeat that again? Because yes. I just got, I call them truth bumps. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes and failures are bad. And if I make a mistake or fail, I will be rejected. And this is the most fascinating thing about beliefs. Even though people have read every business book under the sun that says, if you're not making mistakes and failing, you're going to be mediocre. Richard Branson says that. It doesn't matter if you have a belief. So people say, oh, I don't believe mistakes and failures are bad. I say, really? So when you make a mistake, you go, way to go, Jim. That was a great learning opportunity. And you tell everybody you did it. Exactly, exactly. And they go, no, I beat myself up. And I go, that's right. That's how you know you have the belief. Interesting. So they can read it in a book or listen to it on a podcast and they can know it intellectually, but they feel it's completely... And no amount of evidence talks you out of your beliefs, which is what a lot of people try to do is convince you, talk you out of it, tell you why you shouldn't believe it. Right. And in our process, we don't do any of that. And the beliefs you're talking about here of some of the top 10, these are pretty much ubiquitous everywhere, right? Not being enough, fear of making mistakes and being judged for them. It could affect your relationship. It could affect how you treat your body, how you advance in your career. I'm not important. Now, everybody knows the way most people try to change is with information and motivation. I'm going to learn. I'm going to go to workshops and seminars and read books, and I'm going to learn everything, and then I'm going to get motivated. I'm going to go to a workshop and get all hyped up and going to get home on Monday. And what happens? Nothing. Because you cannot act inconsistently with your beliefs. So when we're talking about beliefs, I would imagine some people are listening and thinking, like, where did that belief, like, I'm not enough or I'm going to look bad, or I'm not capable, or other people are more important than I. Because when you're born, you're like a blank slate, right? What happened there? Beautiful, beautifully said. So we come into this world, and we don't know if we're important or not important. We don't know if we're good enough or not good enough. We don't know if life is hard or easy. We don't know if money is scarce and hard to get or abundant. So we show up, and we're looking at these two people who know everything, right? Our parents. And what happens when we get here is they say things like, oh, Jim, not again. You didn't get an A? What are all these A's in one B? Wait, you did what? How many times do I have to tell you? Loving parents. And so what is the one word question every child asks all day long? Why? Why? Exactly. And you don't even have kids and you know that, right? Why? Why can't I live up to my parents' expectations? Oh, I see. I'm not good enough. Why are my parents always looking at their iPhone when I talk to them? Why are they not giving me attention? Oh, I see. I'm not important. Why? 
Every time I make a mistake, they scream and yell and I get punished. Oh, I see mistakes and failures are bad. But that's such an important message for people to have, that mistakes are opportunities to learn and to grow, that we are not our mistakes. Yeah, so we form our beliefs and our parents are not bad. They didn't do anything, you know, malicious. They meant well. It's just that nobody's handed a manual when you leave the hospital. And, you know, when I ask parents what your kid does when they see you at the end of the day, every parent in every country says they run to me. And I say, and what do they want? They want affection, they want attention, and they want acknowledgement. So if you criticize them, I'm not good enough. If you don't pay attention, if you're not affectionate, they're going to conclude I'm not lovable. And here's the thing why beliefs go away and why they stay with you through 20 years of therapy and on millions of self-help programs, because you think you saw your belief in the world. So if you and I were together and our friend Vishen walked past us and you had the belief he didn't like you and he walked by and didn't say hello to you, wouldn't you say to me, see, I told you he doesn't like me, see, as if you could see he doesn't like you. You can't see he doesn't like you. You see, he walks by you and doesn't say hello. You know, you are an introvert. And there were times when you and I became friends, you would walk by and not say hello. And I thought, oh, he doesn't like me. And I said, wait a minute, maybe he's shy. Maybe he's thinking about something else. You know, I remember that. And I came over to you and I said, hey, Jim. And you were always friendly and nice. So we think we see our beliefs. So if you're criticized by your parents, and when I say to people, doesn't it feel like you saw I'm not good enough? Do you know what they say? I did see it. No, just like with your learning stuff. If I had spoken to you years ago, doesn't it feel like you saw I'm not smart or I'm stupid or there's something wrong with me? You'd say, I did see it. No, you saw being in a certain learning environment at a certain time in your life, not being able to learn. And that could mean you're stupid, and it could mean you weren't learning in your learning style, right. and it could mean you had terrible teachers. So there are other interpretations. Exactly. And so in your communication, it's interesting because if you believe men or women are liars or whatever, someone could be really nice to you, and you could be thinking, oh, what do they want from me? And that colors everything. It has nothing to do with necessarily the reality of it. It's your perception and your certainty around that belief. Mm -hmm. So... You've given some ideas for people listening to identify their limiting belief, right? They say something and then they evoke some kind of emotion. Yeah. It comes up constantly. What would one suggestion you would have for somebody who they have a belief like, I am a procrastinator? Or, that's not a belief. I'm a procrastinator is a belief that's formed from watching yourself procrastinate. If you get rid of the belief, I'm a procrastinator, nothing's going to change. See, what's underlying procrastination is mistakes and failures are bad. If I make a mistake, I'll be rejected. What makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. That's why you procrastinate. You're terrified to be judged, right? You have a fear of being judged and criticized, which we have a different process that works on that. I mean, this is such important work. People have an idea where they believe something and from the behavior, they can do something. And then that doing, they could have something, an object, feeling, whatever it is, and then, you know, to be able to share. But people want to change this, but they're not addressing the core or the and, source. And or, when these beliefs go away, suddenly the box that you're in, men can't be trusted as a box. 
And trusting men is outside that box. When you eliminate beliefs, all you're doing is eliminating a box. And then you have a choice, trust or don't trust. It's not like the opposite's going to be true, but you have a choice. When you get rid of the belief, mistakes and failures are bad and you make a mistake, you go onward. There's a book now called Failing Forward. It's brilliant. You know, fail forward, make a mistake, fail, move forward, learn something, move forward. You know, if our kids could be raised with that, the world would be different. You know, I told my kids, no matter what you do, somebody's not going to like it. So you may as well do what you want. But before you do anything, stop and ask yourself, what might the consequences be? It's a way better question to ask because the belief, what makes me good enough is having others think well of me ran my life. And then whatever is going on in the environment, you're just totally. reacting What's this to one going to think? And what's that one going to think? And what if I put out this program and somebody doesn't like it? Or what if they think I'm too full of myself? Or what if they think this? And when you die, guess what? It's not what should define you. You know, if you don't think well of me, I might say, Jim, I love you. You're such an amazing spirit. You know, you inspire me always. You really do. But it seems like you don't like me. Is there something about me? You know, it doesn't mean I'm not going to try to fix it or change it, but it doesn't mean anything about me. That's what's so powerful. So what I would say to people is when you feel stuck, ask yourself the question, what would happen if I did this thing? What would happen if I did it and failed? right? So this is one of the techniques we have. It's called judgment into beliefs. So imagine something you want to do that you've been stopping yourself from doing, putting off forever. And then say, if I did that thing and failed a couple of times, what would my judgment of myself be? What would I think others are judging me for? And whatever that voice in your head says, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm a loser then you're going to start to see that there are beliefs in your way. And the first thing that does is it gets you to see that it's not impossible because you can get rid of your beliefs. And the second thing is you can actually look at, okay, I feel like a loser. Where did that belief come from? You know, and then I can't obviously take you through the process, but I can give you some of the steps. And one of the main steps is if you can trace back where the belief came from, you can get I never saw that I was a loser. I saw my father call me a loser. I never saw I'm a loser because anything you could see has a color, shape, and location. You can't see a belief. I never saw I'm a loser. I saw my father call me a loser. I never saw Santa Claus. I made that up. That's my father in that outfit. In that moment, Santa Claus goes away as a belief and never comes back. Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, same thing. You know, I always say to people, if you had a belief that my spouse is faithful to me, I believe that with all my heart and soul, and you walk in and you see them in bed with somebody else, that belief is gone in a nanosecond because you never saw that they are faithful. You made that up. It's the most powerful moment in people's lives. I would imagine witnessing that oh. with as many people as you have. I'm doing it 30 years, Jim. It never gets old. Never, ever. I still cry. It's so inspiring. When this woman yesterday got rid of the belief, I'm not lovable. And it was really interesting. I go back to, did you ever see it? And she goes, well, yeah. I said, I saw my two parents 
out of 7 billion people not being affectionate with me. Good. Where was I'm not lovable? And she goes like this. I made it up. <laughs> I was like, I never saw that. And her face, the whole room was literally vibrating. Her face was totally alive. That belief was gone. It is awesome. And I think some people could identify where they used to believe something and then they saw something that was more true and it just blew their own mind. And you're saying this could be part of the process consciously to identify the limiting beliefs that we have that's leading to the behaviors or the emotions that we don't want. And then going back to the early time where we feel like we saw it and what did we really see? I love that. Yeah. Shelly, that's amazing. Yay. So for everyone who's listening, I know a lot of people are going to want to go deeper with you. How can they find you? Leftcoinstitute.com. And you can find out about us. You can also go to recreateyourlife.com and you can eliminate a belief for free. Oh, that's beautiful. So if you go to our show notes, which everyone is very familiar with, I put my takeaways in the show notes, jimquick.com forward slash notes. And I will put all the notes there and links, direct links to everything that Shelly is talking about. I know what I would encourage everyone to do is take a screenshot of this episode or this video and tag us both in there also as well. And then share with us, if you're willing to, some of your stories about your big ahas from this conversation that we have here. Shelly Lefko, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our quick success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for one hour, uh, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode. 